Good evening, church. This is Mbuitu um, Melotsesha. I am a student from the Student Ministries. Today I'll be doing the Bible reading. The Bible reading is from Romans 12, from verse 9 to 21. Romans 12, verse 9 to 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will pray, says the Lord. The contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into into that text uh, that speak of the amazing mercies of God and how that transforms our life. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you uh, so much for this, your church. I thank you that you're bringing people from all walks of life into a place like this. Um, pray that, Lord, you'd use us this evening, uh, that we would hear something of from your word that would begin a seed and a transformation. I pray, Lord, just like that fertile soil, that picture that Jesus used, that we would receive the word um, and that we, it would bear fruit in our life, that uh, the worries of this world may not take it away. So I pray that you would illumine your word, that you would speak through me this evening. Through Christ our Lord, we ask. Amen. Uh, so we are at the end of uh, chapter 12, um, which is part of a bigger series uh, called The New Humanity, and that looks at the book of Romans, and we've been doing that since last year, and for the last two weeks, Rafa took us through uh, chapter 12. Last week, he brought the house down. Uh, please, if you missed any of those sermons, go online, uh, because they explain to us um, Romans chapter 12, how the mercies of God and how the love of God uh, transforms our very, uh, very lives. Um, one of the things I like about Paul is that he has this ability to explain mysteries and large concepts like God bringing a broken people into a family. Uh, and he uses everyday language for us to understand the mystery of what salvation looks like. But he never leaves it there. He never just tells us about what Jesus has done for the sake of it. There's always a point to it. Uh, he's always trying to encourage other new Christians who are just figuring out what it means to be Christian, uh, encouraging them to remember what Jesus has done for them and to remember and consider how it transforms their lives. So that is Paul, uh, and he does so in 
um, in Romans um, as well. Uh, whenever he reminds us of the love of God, uh, he often points to where we need to apply that love uh, in our lives. Whenever he reminds us of the Trinity and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, what they did throughout all of eternity, in Philippians chapter 2, he does that. It is so fantastic that God who was in before all things were created, came down into this world uh, to die a death, a death on the cross, uh, and therefore God exalted this Christ uh, to be Lord. The reason why he does that is to remind the Christians of what God has done and then to call them to a life of humility. Consider Jesus, who was supreme, yet humbled himself, therefore God exalted him. Let that shape your life, and may you live your lives uh, lives of humility. In Romans, we see, uh, as our summary said, uh, the summary is that in Romans, there's two groups of people who are figuring out what it means to live together. The Jewish Christians, uh, who always consider themselves as the people of God, and the Gentiles, uh, who are just a new kids on the blog, figuring it out, figuring this church thing out, and they're coming into this community, and Jews are not accepting them as full members of this community. And so throughout Romans, Paul reminds them that every single one of us is broken and sinful. In fact, every single one of us before God stands sinful. Whether you have the law, which the Jews had, Uh, and the covenant that's the relationship between themselves and God, whether you have those things or not, the fact remains that you still break the law. Uh, So whether you are a Gentile who knows what what, uh, the law says, thou shalt not kill, or you are a Jew, there's still something within sinful humanity that breaks those laws. So before God, we stand equal. So don't think you're special. Only one thing brings us to this God, that is Jesus. Uh, So we saw that the summary of Romans is that God is bringing together a new humanity, a new people consisting of both Jews and Gentiles. He brings them under one king, which is Jesus. And this Jesus, he empowers them by the Holy Spirit, which we looked at when Nick and Cecilia and Godfrey preached for us in chapter 8. The Spirit empowered Christians. He empowers them to be agents of change, agents of transformation in this broken world as they await uh, the next world. Uh, so I see you reading it up there. That's the summary of Romans, that God, I can't see because I don't have my specs. God is bringing together a new humanity consisting of Jews and Gentiles under one king, which is Jesus. And he empowers them by the Holy Spirit to be agents of change and transformation in the world uh, that is broken. As they await the renewal of this world, uh, this morning's message was about that. We await glory and we live in the here and now as agents of change. That is who we are. As we sit here, as we gather, we gather to be empowered through God's word, by his spirit, to be agents of change um, out there. So that's the summary of Romans as Paul walks these two groups of people um, through the journey of the gospel. And as he gets to chapter 12, he begins to apply that gospel to their lives. Now that is mostly um, all of what Paul's theology is about, um, this reminder of what God has done, and then calling you to a life that is transformed.
I challenge you to go read one of Paul's letters. Start with Ephesians and see how he unpacks this. How he says to this Gentile Christians, this is us Jews, we were chosen, but you also were included into this family. Remember who you were in chapter 2. You were dead in your sins, but God made you alive. God made you alive. And then he goes on, chapter 3, 4, Therefore, as God's children begin to live lives that are transformed by the gospel. Um, that is um, the gospel message, and that's how the gospel message shapes us. And tonight's passage is really looking at uh, that shaping, the fact that we are agents of change and transformation uh, in the world that God has placed us in. So the summary of our passage this evening, in case you doze off, uh, it, it is the evening service. Don't just look at me. Uh, also, <laughs> you, you can speak back to me, right? Uh, if you think I'm making an important point, you can say, preach, brother. You can, <laughs> in other churches, they call their pastor, Papa. Uh, since it's Father's Day, we don't do that here, but you can go call me Papa, ne? <laughs> Just for today. <laughs> you can say, go deeper, Papa, okay? Um, so we have two. <laughs> there you go. You are alive. I love that. Um, we have um, our structure this evening, a summary, which is based of um, what Paul says to these Christians is that the God of the Christian story relates to us differently, in a different way, and that calls us and urges us and drives us to relate to other people differently. That's simple. The God of the Christian story relates to us differently, and that urges us and drives us and challenges us and pushes us to relate in different ways to other people. So the first thing that we're going to see is how God relates to us, and that's really recapping on the previous weeks, um, and I'm only doing that because if we don't understand the previous weeks, we will not begin to apply today's passage. What, what was read for us, what Bitumelo read for us, we cannot understand it unless we understand how God relates to us. Um, if we don't understand how God relates to us, we cannot understand how God wants us to relate um, to other people. Amen. So that's what we're going to see, how God relates to us, how God wants us uh, to relate to others in view of what he has done. Have a look at uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which is the foundation and the basis of chapters um, chapters uh, that were read for us, chapters 8 uh, up until 21. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 to 2, Rafa dealt with it. We're going back to it. Uh, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You can never, as a Christian, um, understand what God calls you to do until you begin to understand what God has done for you. You do not have power as a Christian to live the Christian life without being empowered by the mercies of God. At this point, I'll say, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, uh, God will never call you to do something that his mercy never empowers you to do. 
God will never call you as a Christian to do something that his mercy never encourages you and empowers you to do. That is a mouthful. That's something you can't say to your neighbor, is it? Uh, but that is Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 2, as Paul presents to us the mercies of God. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is what, what comes first? What comes first? Is it what God calls us to do? Because very often we have that perception about church and Christianity that it's all about do this, do that, give money, um, come to church every Sunday, all of those things, all of the things that um, the Bible calls us to. Very often we have that mindset that it's all about what you do. But notice uh, throughout the, the Bible, as you read Scripture, you'll see that it emphasizes the God of the Bible. Um, if you look at the series we've been doing in Exodus, it is about a powerful God working to rescue a broken people out of slavery. What comes first? This redemption out of slavery, and then he calls them to obey him in chapter 20. What comes first in the Christian life is understanding what God has done for us. And everything Paul says from chapter 1 to 11, he's been preparing us for that. He's been preparing these Christians in um, in Rome who were grappling and struggling among themselves as to how they're going to live together. He's been preparing them by explaining to them the mercies of God, the mercies of what God has done for them, that God never caused them to do anything that his mercy doesn't empower them to do. On a positive side, so that's kind of a negative way of putting it. On the positive side, we can say this, that you and I are able to live the Christian life because we are empowered by a mighty God. Amen. Isn't that amazing to hear that? Uh, because sometimes when you look at your life, don't you feel like you just cannot make it? Uh, you know the expectation of what it means to be a Christian, but you just don't feel like you're matching up to those expectations. On the positive side of things, God can empower us. God has empowered us to live the Christian life. Therefore, it is possible to live for him because of his mercies. Have a look at verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I'm looking back, Paul says, to the mercies of God. And I'm appealing to you to live a particular way because Christ sacrificed himself uh, he's empowered you to sacrifice yourself and to be a living sacrifice uh, before him. What are these messes that we are talking about? Um, the, the song that we sang this evening just captures that so beautifully, doesn't it? Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to where my sin and bear my shame. The God of glory who had no sin, who knew no sin, came into this world of broken sinners, people like you and me. I know we all look great this evening, but did you know that we are sinners? Did we know that in each and every one of us there's this inclination to shake our fist in God's face and tell him we don't need you in our life? Um, and when we do that, we operate in destructive ways uh, to watch each other. Have a look at chapter 1 of 
Romans as it explains our state as human beings, as Gentiles who are without the law. Uh, please turn to Romans chapter 1, verse from verses. Um, I'm not going to read all of it, um, but Paul is talking about the power of God um, um, that is found in the gospel. He's speaking about the wrath and the anger of God towards humanity, towards the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of mankind who suppress the truth. Verse 18, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has showed it to, to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since creation of the world. So this Gentiles, you and I, without the law, by just looking at nature, we can see that there is God. There is God in our world, yet we suppress the truth by our ungodliness. Um, I'm going to jump over uh, to... Two verses uh, 24. Therefore God gave them up in the last of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their body among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature that is created things rather than the creator. So that is who we are. That is who we are as people. And the wrath of God and the anger of God is directed towards us. Have a look at how that plays itself out in our world. And as we read those things, I wonder if you think of the office space. I wonder if you think of Midrand. Does this symbolize the culture in which you and I live in? A gentle, broken culture. Uh, for this reason, God gave them to this honorable person. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and consu were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in them the due penalty for their error. Uh, I'm not coming to this church. This is very judgmental. Um, I'm sure you're thinking that, but the list goes on. He's not just targeting that group of people. Um, he's targeting the liars, the, the, the thieves. Um, in fact, all of us in this room fit in one way or another in this category. Have a look at verse 28 um, of chapter 1, still describing a world that is under the wrath of God. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what not, ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness. Covetousness is the desire for my neighbor stuff. Malice, they are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers. I'm sure you're thinking people out there. No, he's talking about you. <laughs> Just another thing. We're always finding new ways to invent evil, isn't it? That is the world we live in. Disobedient to their parents, foolish, faithless. Uh, Mom Zondo says amen. <laughs> um, we all are, isn't it? We, we Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Is that midrand? Amen? That is midrand. The wrath of God is upon us. We deserve the punishment and the judgment of God. But God deals with us through his mercy. God relates to us in mercy. What is this word mercy? It means he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. As I read the lexicon and the dictionary, it just speaks about a a, a 
a bowel gut movement that God has towards us, that he loves us. I wonder if you believe that. Many of us grow up in spaces and uh, just situations where we don't actually, we've never tasted love, whether it's from your mom or from your dad. You just have never tasted love. And very often we struggle with this concept that a father this holy and this perfect would accept the people like us. Yet the scripture, now and again, we see that throughout scripture there's this thread of mercy of a God who created everything, who's moved in compassion as he sees us. Um, and that's profound, isn't it? Because he sees people who are saying to him, we want nothing to do with you, yet he relates to us in mercy. He moves towards us even when we moved away from him. That's an amen moment. You missed it, but it is the evening, so I'll forgive you. Next time you sit next to the heater, amen. When you say amen, you give me an opportunity to uh, warm up my vocals. Amen. So that is how God relates to us. And notice the thing. Notice that in chapter 1, when we don't worship God as we ought to, we behave in destructive ways towards each other. Notice that when mercy meets us, and when mercy transforms us, it transforms our worship. Notice that? Have a look again in chapter 12. Chapter 12, it is a transformed worship that is based on the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to do what? To present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The right kind of worship is a worship that is transformed by the mercy of God. Verse 2 then speaks about this renewal of the mind. Chapter 1, a debased mind. Chapter 12, a renewed mind. What renews our mind? The mercies of God. Now that God deals with us, not according to our sins, but he deals with us in mercy and compassion he moves towards us, even though when we wanted to move um, uh, away from him. That is our first point, and that is important, because the mercies of God then begin to, when we have a transformed mind, we begin to live differently. Rafa walked us through last week that we ought to have a right kind of perception of ourselves, to never think of ourselves highly, what is the motivation for you to never think of yourself highly? It's when you remember that you are but nothing before this holy God. Uh, that you, no matter how much you think of somebody out there who does not love God, that every one of us stand equal at the foot of the cross. That every one of us deserves judgment. That's the only way for you to be motivated to live differently. So, number one, how God deals with us. Number two, how God wants us to deal with other people. Now let's read through chapters 9 to 21. I'm not going to unpack all of it this evening. I'm going to focus specifically on verse 9 and then 21 and just zone in with you in real life South Africa 2022. One of the things Paul does is that he teaches us how to do theology, how to live in our world. 
So the message of God need to impact us in 2022. And verses 9 and 21 are going to help us in applying the gospel to our lives. But we want to read through the whole of it once again. And just as you read through it, I'm thinking to myself, Paul, really? Like, is this what you're calling us to? As you read through it, you must think of concrete situations where you'd have to live this out and ask yourself, like, do you really expect us to live this out? Like, is this not some kind of just a suggestion that's nice? And then ask yourself the question, what would be the motivation and the thing that empowers me to do this? What do I need to remember of the mercy of God that's going to empower me to live this out? Love must be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Is that possible? Love one another with brotherly affection. He's speaking to insiders. He's speaking to the church, a church that was fighting uh, for position. He said, love one another with brotherly affection. And you may be thinking to yourself, I don't know, if Paul met my brother, um, would he say this thing? I'll do one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. What is the thing that's going to motivate me to serve the Lord? Surely there are times where I don't feel like saving God. What is that motivating thing that is going to help me? It's when I realize that God has served me, that I'm going to move towards other people, especially people that I don't think deserve my service. Amen, Bazalwani. That is the, how the mercies of God transform how we uh, look and live with others. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. Uh, contributing to the needs of the saints. We looked at it as we looked at the money series. Um, as Paul in chapter 8 of Romans, um, not Romans, 2 Corinthians says that God in Jesus was generous towards us when we didn't deserve it. And that ought to motivate us to be generous towards other people. Um, The word there, um, showing hospitality, uh, is based in the ancient world where they didn't have a lot of uh, Airbnb. uh, And so you'd have travelers coming in and out, some of whom were Christians. uh, And to show hospitality literally means to love a foreigner. Okay, so it's um, it's loving and showing hospitality to somebody who's an outsider. How do you, what's the motivation for you to do that if you're living in that ancient world? Well, Jesus loved you and showed you hospitality when you were a foreigner, when you were outside. He showed you his mercy and brought you in. That should motivate you to live out the Christian life. This number 14 I think this is the hard one, and I think that's what we're going to kind of dwell on this evening as we think about South Africa. Bless those who persecute you. Think of your office space right now. Bless, do not curse them. That is hard, isn't it? What's going to motivate me to live this out? Well, it is the mercies of God um, who loved people, who dealt him, who dealt with him badly. He loved us, 
even though we didn't love him. Verse 15 onwards, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Now we live in a world, um, across this room, we are the top 10% of this country. I don't know if you ever thought of that. That these are the great minds of SA. I know you, you can't believe it, can you? Um, but this is it. This is us. We the top 10%. And as Rafa was saying last week, that we all, we are all legend in our eyes, aren't we? In our own eyes, we're all legends. And I'm like, shucks, that is so true. Because we live in a culture, and you might not know this, you might not realize this, but we live in a culture that tells us that we are awesome. Uh, we are legends because of the stuff that we have. And so to live and to survive in this concrete jungle, you need to relate to people who are just above you. You see, Abu Martin, our one. <laughs> Amen, Martin. Um, uh, Martin, um, not just about Martin, Abo, do you know the other side of the R55? Have you guys ever seen that? The grass is green on that side. I've seen it. Um, they pay guys to actually tend it, and I'm like, I stay in Nordvik, and that grass is definitely greener there. I don't know what they said. Um, we want to associate with those people, because in this world, uh, you need to associate with those who are higher, so that you can be where they are, isn't it? Uh, but when you begin to remember the mercies of God and how he, he relates to us, that although he was supreme, he came into this world and became lowly, what's, gonna, what's that going to do to us? It's going to create in us new mindsets of not relating to just the CEO, but also the tea lady in a way that glorifies God. That is what it means to be agents of change in this world. And that's what you can do in your office space tomorrow, unless you're working from home. Um, <laughs> have a look at verse uh, 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Uh, he calls from uh, the Old Testament. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Paul, are you being serious right now? Is that the things that you are calling us to? And Paul would say, yes. Why is that? Well, remember the mercies of God. Remember that when you are an enemy, he didn't deal with you as an enemy. He moved towards you and related to you in mercy. Therefore, that ought to change the way uh, that you relate to others. In a world that tells us, uh, repay evil for evil, the gospel calls us uh, to have a renewed mindset, a countercultural mindset that moves towards people who we would normally not move towards. And the key there, which brings us to, as we apply it to Medrand, is verses 9, the ethic of love. And then verse 21, not being overcome by evil. Have a look at verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is an ethic 
of a Christ-transformed, mercy-transformed um, Christian life. As I look at our culture, I, I'm, I think, man, there's so much that we need to pick up from this, um, to live as agents of change. We live in a society that needs this kind of Christians, Christians who don't pay evil for evil, who don't take pain and hatred like a marathon where you take it from somebody and then you hand it over to somebody else. Um, The cross of Jesus broke that. The cross of Jesus took the hatred and pain of humanity and put an end to it. That's what Jesus did. He absorbed our sins, our brokenness on that cross, and he calls us to live as agents of change who mimic the life of the cross in our everyday life. Our world is full of hatred, isn't it? Hatred between siblings, uh, between family members. Um, I was hesitant to use this um, this illustration from one of my favorite animes, but I think it's so powerful. Um, it's an anime. Anime, <clears throat> for those who don't know, it's animated storytelling. It is Eastern. It's Japanese. It's it's nothing like Hollywood. That's why I love it. It has multiple layers of telling beautiful stories. Hasidi Popeye. It's, <laughs> it's not cartoons, right? Um, it's not cartoons. So my favorite one being Naruto. <laughs> and in Naruto, the main kind of theme of Naruto is the quest for peace. It is set up in a ninja world where ninja kills ninja. And on and on, the circle of hatred and pain continues. And this particular powerful um, scene is by this guy who renamed himself Pain because of the pain that he had experienced, because of the being a, um, what do you call it, the aftermath of villages, different villages fighting. And he says, one village fights against another village, and on and on, the circle of hatred and pain continues. I wonder if that describes our world. This is what pain says about pain, Nagato pain. He says, love is the reason why there's pain. When we lose someone precious to us, hate is born. That's when another village kills another a human being. Hate is born. Vengeance is the product of that hate, and so death follows. Um, so because we seek vengeance, we take on pain and hatred and pass it on, and then the death continues. But in death, there is only more death. This will give rise to many more pains. In this cursed world we live in, it is a circle of hatred that will not cease. Powerful, isn't it? Powerful as you read his story and as you understand, because he's a villain in the story, that he's perpetrating hatred because his whole family was killed. And on and on, the cycle continues in our culture, whether it's between uh, Zulus and Kossas, um because of histories, uh, from the 1400 um, on towards the fights between the IFP and ANC, there is deep-seated in our culture. You're not going to see it because we are all just relating nicely to each other, listening to Amapiano. But at the heart of it all is that there is this hatred 
that we all bear. There's hatred between black and white. It is bubbling. It's on the surface. And every now and again, somebody does something that erupts this whole country. uh, And you know that hatred is deep-seated. It bubbles up um, every now and again. Um, Every now and again, we kind of bandage it with... um, singing, what is that song, Jerusalem, and the whole nation comes together, or there's a rugby World Cup, and, and then we look united. But the pain and the brokenness is underneath that. The hatred and the circle of hatred is there, sifting through in our everyday conversation, in the office space, by the, uh, by the coffee station, on and on the cycle continues. If you think you've seen hatred, um, of course, in South Africa, we're very obsessed with racial hatred, but we never see hatred at every layer of society. Um, I was once um, watching an interaction between Zimbabwean Shonas and um, Debeles, and I was like, wow, like this, there's so much hatred in that um, hidden there that because of the history of fighting over possession, uh, of fighting over land, um, all that hatred uh, is there. Um, I was watching another TikTok video. I saw a gang member in Cape Town who's killed 28 people. And on and on the cycle continues in the Cape Flat, in the Langa taxi rank, as people fight for territory, uh, on and on the cycle of hatred and pain uh, goes. In the Tuana culture, there's a tribe that moved from Taung, which is more on the northern Cape, to come work in the mines in Rustenburg. They speak a little bit of a different accent of Setswana, and there was so much hatred among the Bafukin tribe towards this tribe, because here they are coming to steal our jobs, our women, on and on the thing goes, hatred towards African foreign national, um, all because of differences. But there's another layer to it, isn't it? A family layer where there's hatred between brother and brother. You were loved more by my dad. They gave you more attention and didn't give me. And on and on the circle goes. Do you know the reason you don't relate well to your cousins is not because they're bad people, but because you're passing on the baton of hate from one generation to another. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it stops with me. You can do that. It stops with me. Now this circle of hatred and pain stops with us because we are people of mercy. We are people who are transformed by the cross. And at the cross of Jesus, evil did not persist. Uh, Jesus put an end to evil, amen, so that you and I can live lives that put an end to evil, so that you and I can be encouraged and motivated to say, I forgive you, and I'm going to relate to what you in mercy. I think I'm going to end it there.